Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who have pivoted from being embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast to begging for writing positions on the upcoming Star Trek series. I'm your host, Ben Harrison. (laughs) I'm your other host, Adam Pranica. It's really a show about manipulation at this point. It's a show about manipulation and us just like really abandoning our dignity (laughs) in every way we can think of. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We we were told from the start. Look, you guys need to stop being so embarrassed about doing this show. You need to embrace how nerdy and awful you are. <laughs> it wasn't even about being embarrassed about the show. More more people were concerned about just our well being and like how we actualize ourselves. Like, which is so surprising, nice. given given what insufferable fucks we have presented ourselves to be here. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why people care about us at all. It's, uh, it's kind of baffling. Hey, Adam, I thought I might uh, open up another packet of Star Trek cards. What do you think? Have we turned into Star Trek Presence cast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely stole this out of the uh, Roderick playbook, didn't we? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, go ahead and tear one open. I, what's cool is like there's only three cards inside, right? So it's not like a, uh, uh, yeah. a long I think thing. It's five, but... Well, fingers crossed for a Biff Jaeger. Oh, it'd be so great. Okay. I've got one for an episode called Dark Page, and it's got a wolf sticking its head out of the turbo lift, it looks like. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Don't remember that one, but I see the word Loxana several times on the back of the card, so I'm going to put that right down. Probably won't see that one. (laughs) Uh, I've got one for Data's Day. Do you remember that episode? Uh, Barely. Yeah, that's so, good. I I think that uh, it actually kind of is a callback to the episode that we just watched, uh, where he's writing a letter about what his day is like to Commander Maddox back at the Daystrom Institute. Hmm. Uh, but the boy, the card is real weird. It's like a cat's eye rising like a moon over a over a uh, rocky landscape with Data standing in front of it, kind of silhouetted against it so are these like artists interpretations of the episodes or like i what you're describing doesn't sound like a screenshot right yeah it's sort of like um it's sort of like what the criterion collection poster would maybe look like if they were releasing these episodes on on dvd which they never would yeah uh oh here's an interesting one for Times squared which i believe is like two or three episodes away from from now so the cards retain their predictive power yeah. to some extent your gypsy star trek cards yeah these a lot of these are just for episodes yeah so. oh here's one for skin of evil oh nice yeah it's got a it's got like tasha yar's face in kind of a screen print looking uh design and then it's like dripping black goo at the bottom oh the card is dripping uh, just the just the design, Adam. The oh. uh, the card is is a piece of cardboard. Oh, that's too bad. I was hoping it would be like uh, like moist a little bit. <laughs> maybe maybe if I weep openly on the card, it'll uh, 
it'll uh, release some goo. There's nothing quite as devastating as the idea of a man alone in his apartment opening Star Trek cards, silently <laughs> weeping. Uh, That's like a- I, can act- I can actually come up with something slightly more devastating, which is a man not alone in his apartment, his wife downstairs in earshot while he sits upstairs weeping about Tasha Yar. <laughs> She's like, I so look forward to the weekends. It's when we can spend time together. And you're like, <laughs> sure, except for the hours I spend recording and editing Star Trek podcasts. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I, I only say that because I know the feeling quite well. Let's head right into season two. Episode 10, the episode that inspired the movie Shallow Hal. I can't even pronounce the name of this episode. Uh, ben, can you? Yeah, so the episode title is The Dauphin. What does that even is, mean? That is the French word for the uh, prince who will take the throne uh, when the king dies or abdicates. So the Dauphin is like the heir apparent. The vice uh, president. And there is a feminine form, the Dauphine, but they chose to use the masculine form here for some reason. Hmm. I don't know why. Well, that's Anyways. that's the sort of uh, foreign language trivia you only get on the Greatest Generation program. Yeah, you think you think that Mission Log is talking about uh, trivial French uh, French nobility type shit on their show? Yeah. They're, no. They're like the McDonald's of Star Trek podcasts. Yeah. We're like the McDonald's dumpster of Star Trek podcasts. We're like the chicken cordon bleu that you can get at McDonald's of Star Trek podcasts. (laughs) So the Enterprise is arriving at a planet called Daled 4, and they're they're like, boy, what a dump. (laughs) (laughs) They start scanning it, and they're like, why would anybody live here? (laughs) Nice house-sitting job you got here. This place is a dump. <laughs> and uh, so two things are going on. Jordy is eager to get some some sweet warp drive maintenance underway. So uh, so he's radioing up to the bridge asking if he has permission to get that started. And they are picking up some dignitaries. This is another the Enterprise has to get some stuff from point A to point B episode. Yeah. Which I feel like we've had like half a dozen so far in this season already. Just Ubering around. Yeah. I mean, the the amount of scarves they're earning has got to be pretty awesome, but... Sure. Sure, I've, but it's I've, it's not supposed to be like a main job. It's supposed to be a side job. Right. This is a way to like pick up some extra money on the weekends, not not your career. Right, right. They're supposed to be seeking out new life and new civilizations, not boldly ferrying people from place to place. Boldly going after that five-star rating. <laughs> the person they're picking up is this princess, Celia, who is the head of state of a of a planet... What's the planet called? I don't even see it. Uh, 
Oh, they aren't arriving at Dalad Four. They're like picking her up and taking her to Dalad Four. That's where I got confused. Right. Boy. Oh boy, the- I'm gonna. We all of the shit we just talked about mission log. I have to retract. Like they would never have made a mistake like this. You know what's great, Pod, is us just doing research on the fly. That's great. <laughs> it's a fucking fantastic, Pod. Anyways, they get on the radio. It's a kind of an older woman's voice, and she asks what race they are, and uh, they they're like uh, they're they're very nice about this. They just tell her, you know, they're, they don't like take offense and go like, "What difference does it make, man?" Uh, the, We're a post-racial society. Yeah. Like and and a little like normative for them to say human because there's at least three non-humans on the bridge at the at that time. There's we got we got uh, Data, we've got Worf, and we've got Troy, who is you know only half human. So kind of a kind of a strange. I guess I guess Riker's just speaking for himself when he says that. Did they say humanoid or or specifically human? I think they specifically said human. Oh no, well, yeah. that's too bad. But this seems to satisfy the uh, the voice of the lady. So they beam they beam him up, and it's a it's like a nice looking sixteen year old girl, and l- like a lady in waiting from Robin Hood level old lady who is her governess, and right, who we've got here is Celia. That's the younger the the younger woman who's got real like Liv Tyler vibes. And, oh yeah, and she's her, definitely like low rent t- Liv Tyler. Sure, and her her handler Anya is is her counterpart, sort of her uh, her bodyguard. Uh, yeah. You might recognize Anya's voice because it is also that of Gozer the Gozerian from Ghostbusters. <laughs> what? Yeah, I <laughs> no something way. sounded super familiar about it when they're communicating with him uh, from orbit, and you don't uh-huh. see them, and you just hear her request for what. Uh, what what aliens they are? Yeah, it's totally Gozer. Good pull. Yeah. Well, she asks them if they are gods. <laughs> are you a god? No. Then. So uh, they're getting kind of escorted around the ship to the quarters that they're going to be staying in, and who's walking around in the hallways with a with a magnet? that he's supposed to take the engineering, but young Wesley Crusher. The boy. One could argue he's carrying a chick magnet. Oh, nice one. Nice one. High uh, five. There's definitely a moment where Celia is either looking at the magnet or the knuck that Wesley is rocking in his, uh, you know, refit uniform. He's really knucking out. Yeah, but she definitely, like, she likes what she sees. <laughs> Much in the same way that I, as a 10-year-old boy, did. <laughs> she takes a quick shine to young Wesley Crusher. When you went to summer camp, did you carry around a magnet with you also? <laughs> I definitely pulled my pants up pretty high. Yeah, I gotta do that. It was the 80s. So she's off down the hallway with Worf and her governess, Anya, and uh, Riker kind of makes a point of hanging around in the hallway as as Wesley sort of collects his jaw up off the floor. Commander, who is she? Uh, I think she's a governess. No, the girl. Riker's, uh, you know, keeping his options open. Doesn't doesn't necessarily want to uh, 
to let this one go yet. So, so he tells he tells Wesley, like, she's not going to have a lot of time for you, buddy. She is going to be ruling a planet pretty soon. So oh, maybe man. don't waste a lot of time on her. <laughs> That's hilarious. You interpreted that scene way differently than me. I saw it, I saw it as, like, a, a level of Riker aloofness that was, like, sort of the job of the second in command is to do a lot of walking people around the ship and... You know, they're probably all the same to a certain degree. Like, Wesley kind of hits him up for some info. Like, what's the 411 on our our girl, Celia? And Riker's like, yeah, I don't really know. Like, she's some girl (laughs) from some place, and we're taking her to a different place. Why why do you ask? I just sort of... Like put it I off can't as, even believe that you would you would take the position that Riker has not noticed that there's a, a an eligible bachelorette on the ship that he might be able to divert some of his energies toward. Each time I try to look at this show innocently, I get dragged back into the muck. <laughs> so clearly, I was mistaken. Adam uh, Gutter uh, Gutter Adam. Yeah, uh, Celia is clearly a target for Riker. Yeah. Is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. They're not making a super great time because Jordy is still working on this warp drive maintenance project, and Wes is holding him up because Wes goes back to his quarters and actually has Commander Data come down from the bridge <laughs> so that he can ask him about what's what's up with Celia. <laughs> and and Data's like just getting into sort of like laying it all out for him when Jordy gets on the radio and is like, Wesley, what the fuck, man? We need that goddamn magnet. Yeah, it's weird. Like it needs to be hand carried. It's it's like the size of a little a little football. Yeah. And uh, and they can't just send it through the series of tubes or whatever around the ship. Uh-huh. Or beam it. Is this the first time we've seen the inside of Wesley's apartment, too? I guess so. Yeah, I mean... It really has got, like, upscale orthodontist waiting room vibes to me. I feel like uh, it is Wesley's, Wesley's bachelor pad is, like, pretty on point. Where's the Jim Belushi poster? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have, like, an ironic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles poster. He doesn't have a, a Lamborghini poster. You know what's awful about what I just said is that I said the wrong Belushi. I meant John Belushi. <laughs> but what's hilarious is that Wesley would actually fuck that up, and he would have a picture of uh, of Jim Belushi from, like, what was that fucking CBS show he did? Like, uh, Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, edit that part out. But, uh, yeah, like, he would totally have a Jim Belushi poster on his wall. <laughs> So there's a lot of talk about these these guests that they have on board. At one point, Troy speaks up to the captain, and she says, they l- look like a innocent, dewy, young, nubile girl and her crotchety old governess, but they don't read like that on, on the mind wave. Her dusty old bodyguard. <laughs> so they're like, ah, they're getting a little uneasy. They do a lot of, like, going FaceTime directly to the uh to Celia's quarters and Picard is like what about uh you guys get a tour of the ship and Celia's like that sounds great but then when Worf shows up to lead the tour Anya's like Celia can't come and Worf winds up getting a lot of face time with Anya despite the fact that he expresses very early on that he finds her extremely distasteful I doubt if anything ever meets with that woman's approval 
Sure. So here's how the episode basically unfolds from here. There are fun and games with Worf hating Anya and Wes going around asking different crew members for advice for macking on chicks. And the first person Wes asks is Worf, who, uh, you know, breaks down the Klingon mating ritual, which is, as we've already established, hilariously violent. Worf! Is this your idea of sex? There's a pretty funny scene where Wes is asking Jordy for advices, ad, his advice on macking oh, on chicks, and move. Jordy is like out of there. Like the second <laughs> Wes starts starts asking him for serious advice for talking to women, Jordy's like, "I'm busy, gotta go." Jordy's like, "I don't know. Like you just stare at them for a long time. You, <laughs> you just call you, them over and over again. Like you make is- a holographic simulation of them and fall in love with that instead of the real them. <laughs> First, you make a gen- Giant model ship that takes you like 10 years to build. <laughs> Look, this is easy, Wes. Stop wasting my time. And then the the most the most disgusting of these scenes is when Riker and Guinan put on a little play acting scene <laughs> in Ten Forward where Riker puts the the smarmiest, most lecherous moves on Guinan that I think we maybe ever see in the whole series. Like this, this might be the defining moment for Riker's character as, as somebody who claims to be able to smooth talk women, and what he does when we actually see him in action is so fucking horrible. I love this scene so much. It was like watching two champion tennis players just rally for yeah. for like five minutes. Like they are just shooting dialogue back and forth. In like such a charismatic way, I dug it. I I was not creeped out by it at all. I thought it was hilarious. Well, here here's the question, and and I sort of like in retrospect thought about thought about it in a different way. What is your read on what they are doing? Are they a doing an honest depiction of what it is like when the two of them are in a bar looking to pick somebody up, or b were they kind of putting one over on Wesley and playing a practical joke on him? This is how you pick up women. And you're inviting me in. I'm not sending you away. That's more than I expected. Is it as much as you hoped? To hope is to recognize the possibility. I had only dreams. Dreams can be dangerous. Not these dreams. I dream of a galaxy where your eyes are the stars and the universe worships the night. I absolutely believe it was B. They are enjoying it so much. Yeah, that they could only be making fun of Wesley to his face because, look, like what Wesley's asking for isn't something that anyone else can give him. Like, like there is no, there's no such thing as credible relationship advice when you're 16 years old or whatever. Like, right, you go out there and you get your heart broken a bunch, and that's how it happens. Like, right, and everybody tells you like, oh, this is gonna suck, and you're like, ha ha ha, and then you go and find out it really sucks, and. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's their way of dealing with Wesley's request rather than giving him like the adult truth, which is yeah, you just sort of get your reps and you figure out who you are and then you figure out who someone else is and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. Like that is not as satisfying as play acting a <laughs> play acting a non-sex introduction to like a Cinemax movie. Like <laughs> like it was so great. And like 
I feel like both actors, I feel like Frakes and Goldberg in this scene, like they let the mask slip just a little bit. Like, yeah, I feel like you're seeing some real joy from them in this scene in a way that you don't see it in many other parts of the show. Like, I would have loved to to hear the oral history of this scene. Uh, I, I would have loved great. to just walk walk past Frakes' star wagon <laughs> after they finished shooting it and watch it bounce up and down on the suspension. <laughs> so squeaky. <laughs> if this trailer's rocking, don't come a-knockin'. <laughs> oh, man. So, meanwhile, like, Worf is uh, conducting his little, his little tour of the ship, and Anya is basically, like... She's like a she's like a drill instructor in basic finding every little problem with how how like the platoon has has done its bunk up. Get on your knees, scumbag! <laughs> like she's when she goes into remic. yeah when she goes into engineering, she's like flips out that Jordy is doing warp maintenance, and she's like, "There's problems with the ship," and he's like, "I perform periodic inspections on all engineering systems." And she like obviously knows a lot more about warp technology than. You you might have assumed so she goes up and like at one glance knows exactly what the problem is that he's fixing. Uh, at, at some point they go into the sick bay, and there is a big showdown with Doctor Pulaski because Doctor Pulaski is treating somebody for some minor rhinovirus, and uh, and Anya flips out at the possibility that that Celia could be exposed to a contagion while while on this ship and and <laughs> it looks like it's just going to be a great old lady fight but then <laughs> <laughs> but like like they can both really go toe to toe in terms of unlikability i feel like right. Pulaski you, might have really met her match uh, yeah at that moment and, and wouldn't it like all i could think about in this scene is so anya like suddenly morphs into a giant you know, hose beast, and <laughs> she and, she she like hulks out into yeah. like the lead singer of the country bear jamboree. Like yeah. she is giant, yeah, and scary and she's looking. Got googly eyes, yeah. And I really just wished that Pulaski had been like, "Oh no, you don't," and hulked out herself. <laughs> 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 like it would have been like it would have totally turned me around on Pulaski. It would have explained so much about Pulaski also. <laughs> <laughs> but what ends up happening is Worf has to uh, has to do battle with this Alasomorph that we uh, have come to understand that Anya is, and uh, uh, some Dustbuster Club members come come showing up, and Picard is there, and he sees her morph back into her original form, and she's like she kind of talks to him the way like a villain in a kung fu film would she's like my powers are much greater than you could possibly imagine and picard's like yeah i'm sure they are but you gotta go stay in your quarters now (laughs) fucking picard is like oh yeah your powers are are super infinite but you still need a ride don't you like (laughs) it's so fucked up like like she carries herself like a total badass but like she's the kid in high school who got into a fight at practice but still needs a ride home from school like <laughs> yeah like i don't understand that at all if your powers are so huge get your own ride just kept talking in one long incredibly 
So we should talk a little bit about Anya's powers because we've sort of seen a bunch of scenes that go unexplained leading mm-hmm. up to this moment where, you know, Anya is gone and there's like a hot second babe in uh Yeah, good lord. In Celia's room. Super hot. So so like when when Celia's like talking about a boy, there's a hot second uh, there's like babe 2 pig in the city going on. And then when she needs like somebody to hug, Anya turns into like a little huggable bear character also with googly eyes yeah they really if you could turn yourself into anything like <laughs> why why the googly eyes why not i don't why know don't you yeah get some she always eyes? winds up having scary eyes yeah so the the crew is pretty freaked out about this like what uh what are we gonna do like this this is not really what we've bargained for in terms of ferrying an old lady and a 16-year-old girl from one place to another. Yeah, they're starting and, to get uh, hip to the, to the idea that she's dangerous. Yeah. And um, and she's know. talking shit to Worf, right? Like, right. like I went easy on you, man. Like, yeah. next time I'm going to totally go Admiral Quinn on you. Yeah, not a lot of people survive their first uh, their first encounter with, with that. Right, yeah. Um, but, like, as all this is going on, Wesley and Celia are, like are like going on dates and checking out the holodeck and eating eating, some chocolate, eating some chocolate together. That's sort of Wesley's move. Like present the chocolate. Thalian chocolate mousse. (laughs) And to her credit, Celia is constantly dipping her finger into that chocolate. That's her move. Wonderful sensation. He always gives her chocolate and never gives her a utensil to eat it with. (laughs) Kind of a shrewd move by him. Yeah, sexier that way. Yeah. She gets to watch her lick it off her finger. Yeah, you know you're with the wrong girl if she just, like, puts her face into the bowl of chocolate. (laughs) It's the wrong one for you. You want that finger chocolate. There's a scene in Picard's ready room where he kind of asks Wesley to lay off. And it's clear that Picard is very sad that Wesley has developed romantic interest in somebody other than him. Um (laughs) But Wesley agrees and then promptly goes back to, like, making out with Celia in his quarters and stuff. So so it's it just kind of, like, ratchets the tension up until they get to Dalit 4. It's when, forbidden uh, love. Yeah. The hottest of loves. And, uh, and when they get to Dalit 4, like, Celia has a big come-to-Jesus moment where she, you know, she's, like, she's really tempted by the the freedom that, Wesley enjoys living in the Federation. She has this onerous burden that she has to unite the factions in her planet and lead them. She's going to have even less freedom than she did back on uh, on the dumpy planet that she came from, and uh, and she's just like she's she's feeling real stressed out about it. But uh, Anya kind of talks her into like this is what you were raised for. These people are really depending on you, and you got to do it. So Celia agrees. Anya announces that she is not going with her. She's going to go live somewhere else. She's she's done her her part for king and country, and uh, and so Celia walks to the transporter room to go meet her destiny. And uh, 
on as uh, as she's heading there, Worf uh, offers to take Anya to the other transporter room. You will be happy to see me leave. No. You are a worthy opponent. It's a real game respect game moment there. Yeah. I thought I thought that was a good a good little moment. Hey Ben, we skipped ahead. We missed the part where uh where Celia and Wesley kiss and then uh she's confronted by Anya. Oh, I should have. And yeah. then he finds out that she's ugly. Right. <laughs> she, she, so she can she can pull the same trick as Anya and <clears throat> turn into a uh kind of a D minus sand person from Star Wars A New Hope. <laughs> Right, so one of the scenes is that is that Celia sneaks out of her apartment while Anya's out on her uh, ship tour with Worf, and uh, and sneaks into Wesley's room and is like, "Hey, uh, let's let's have some makeouts. It sounds fun." And so she and Wesley get to making out, and then his door opens, and wouldn't you know, it's Anya standing there, and she is not happy. She's so unhappy, she turns into the giant bear person. She's a werebear. Yeah, they make the same noises as sand people in yeah. s- in Star Wars. Wesley, get out of here now! And her aggression towards Wesley uh, triggers that same effect in Celia. So Celia jumps up out of her seat and also turns into a werebear. And yeah. they are ready to fight. And Wesley is like completely mortified at what had happened. It's not that there's a fight about to go down in his apartment. It's that he just moments ago kissed the werebear. Yeah. He's like spitting, uh, (laughs) spitting werebear hair out of his mouth. (laughs) Ugh, gnarly. Celia is about to beam down to her her new home and the planet that she has been destined to bring peace to. And she's really sad because, because she kind of ended on a bad note with Wesley. And, uh, then he comes running into the transporter room with another bowl full of chocolate. And, uh, he says, I brought you something to remember me by. She dips her finger one more time. And then she says, thanks Wes. Now you got to go. Cause I don't want you to see my true form. And he says, oh, I'll remember you like this. Don't worry about that at all. And He says that while her finger is in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so she turns into a being of pure light, which kind of looks like if, if a pile of poo had a ghost. Yeah, sort of and, like uh, opposite Armis. Oh, yeah. That's a good. That's a good call. Maybe these are the same aliens that left uh, left Armis behind. Whoa! No, but they probably wouldn't be having this civil war if that's true. Yeah, that's right. They left all their evil on uh, on that one planet in that pile. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, that's the end of the episode. She beams down, and Wesley goes and hangs in the uh, in the ten forward lounge, and and Guinan kind of kind of talks to him about what it's like to be in the new this brave new world of grown up love and and loss. Yeah. Pretty heavy. Yeah. Super heavy. I think that her little her little spiel in this is great though. Like she 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 kind of turns around and and gives it to him gives it to him raw the way that she and Riker didn't before. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, it's going to like 
this will happen again and again, and it fucking sucks every time. She could only ever say it after it happened, though. Like, that's that's life. You know, you can't be yeah. told that this stuff happens. You can only go through it and then and then realize it when it's over. I think this this was a Guinan episode. This was probably the most she's been a part of an episode uh, from the start. Yeah, that's true. Kind of interesting that she is sort of taking over the role of ship's counselor at this point. Well, that's just what I was going to ask. Is like, is Guinan a better counselor than Troy? I think so. I don't think it's close. Well, we don't really like see much of Troy counseling and. And I think that there are episodes in in the future that we'll be watching that we do see what she what she does on like a day to day basis. But I I do think that a certain percentage of the crew prefer to lay their problems on their bartender rather than on Troy. Yeah, I just think Guinan's great. Like they intentionally keep her. I won't say underwritten, but they don't expose all of her backstory i don't think ever really like throughout the entire series and in the movies you just you get just enough so that she serves as a, as a like character utility for the yeah. stories that she's in but god i could watch like an entire series about her i think she's just great and fascinating hint hint cbs yeah yeah the guinan show that'd be awesome i would watch that shit yeah absolutely canonical guinan <laughs> What'd you think? Did you like it? You know, it's not like the the best episode ever, but uh, I thought it was a, a a solid one. I think that like there are a couple moments when it falls apart, like the the alien costumes are not that great. Yeah. But uh, but it got to some real shit and and uh, felt kind of like they they dealt with that in an emotionally authentic way. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, not this the easiest thing to do when you have like gorilla bo- monsters running around in an episode, you know? Yeah, I thought the price of admission was totally worth it with uh, with into club practice between Riker and Guinan. I think that was <laughs> one of the most uh, one of the funnest scenes for me that I've seen in the series. Yeah, I, that's I a pretty iconic it. scene. It's totally rewatchable too. Like, it's super fun. Yeah. If you're a listener of this show and you aren't watching the episodes, that's fine. But like this scene is totally worth going back for cuz yeah. we can't really do it justice. No. Damok Angelad Did you know that uh the actress who played Celia, Jamie Hubbard, is no longer an actress, she's a psychotherapist in LA. Whoa. I'm wondering if her experience on the show just sort of drove her to that profession. I have demons. I need psychotherapy. If you move to L.A., she could be your therapist. That could absolutely happen. Holy shit. Right? Are you you looking this up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great, right? I love how in L.A., it's totally normal for the person who is your mental health practitioner to have a headshot yep. on their website. <laughs> I thought the same. Amazing. Oh, Under her uh, list of services is, you know, just the just the, the grocery list of, of areas of clinical emphasis. At the very bottom is entertainment industry issues. Mm-hmm. I want to know all about that. Yeah. The... Uh, 
craft services guy was a real jerk to me on set today. I don't, I don't know how to process that. The second AD barked at me for showing up two minutes after my call time. <laughs> oh, man. What an amazing career to have in L.A. I'm sure the stories she hears are amazing. Oh, man. I can only imagine. As you were watching, did you happen to come across a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I'd be curious to hear yours first. To me, look, I mean, one of the parts about drunk Shimoda is that he's the the person who's having the most fun. I don't know if anyone has had more fun than Commander Riker during a scene with Guinan. Uh, yeah. In 10 forward. Like, see, I wrote, I wrote down Guinan for the same reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that, too. They're, they're total equals in that scene. And they yeah. are like, Wes is like the guy who goes to the karate studio to learn karate. And the, and the master's <laughs> like, let me show you what you're going to learn by taking some classes with me. And then proceeds to, like, demonstrate a 40-minute fully choreographed like karate scene against another person and all Wes can do is just watch Riker's Riker's club karate and be like there's no way I could fucking do this like (laughs) I will never be a master the way you are yeah and and then like at at some point Wesley's like guys this is really weird and (laughs) Kynan just goes shut the fuck up I'm having fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally it is great I loved it yeah I mean it's it's that scene, if a scene could be a Shimoda, but it is both characters in that scene. If, yeah, if they co- they're it. co-Shimodas in this episode. Absolutely. I am locute as a board. You will respond to my questions. I am locute as a board. You are bored. What do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season two, episode 11, Contagion. The Enterprise's computer system falls prey to a mysterious electronic virus which programs the ship to self-destruct. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I do remember this episode, and I remember loving it. Yeah. We get uh, we get some real destruction happening, yeah. as I recall. They, they blow up another galaxy-class starship in this episode. And they come very close to being destroyed themselves. It's sort of a race. It's sort of like the 24 of Star Trek episodes. Like, it's a race against time. Yeah. Yeah, I... This is one of the most memorable eps to me. I'm stoked to see it. Okay, well, I'm going to be vetoing it. Ah! <laughs> okay. That, that would be the shittiest way to use a veto. I'm not going to actually veto. Except, you know, doing it towards someone who likes the episode only only encourages the solo job that it would end up being. Like, well, yeah. I guess... Uh, it would be a reward. Yeah. Where you really wanted to be punished. Uh, one of the problems with our little veto poll is that we're recording so many episodes so far in advance that w- we may not know the results of that poll until well after <laughs> we've uh we've gotten them. Well, I'm confident that by the next episode we will have a resolution. Okay. And, yeah, I think and you're we'll be able right. to move forward from that. Well, well, if you'd like to discuss this episode or any of the other episodes we've feebly reviewed uh you can find us on twitter at the hashtag greatest gen and you'll find me on there at cut for time ben is at benjamin r a h r uh we should thank dark materia for our theme music and everybody that's left a a nice itunes review i think uh i think we're like man we're up over like 220 
something or two thirty something at this point. That's great. It's so so many reviews. Like and and like the the great thing is like they keep coming in positive. Like people saying that they think that the show's really funny and really like they really look forward to it every week and well, I just really appreciate everybody that's said nice things in that public forum that helps other people find our show. Yeah, seriously, like that's that's some of the only feedback that we get. If if you're not writing and you're not reviewing, then we don't know how we're doing. So thanks for letting us know. Yeah. Well, with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and also whatever this is. This awful job interview that is our podcast. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org.